while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Good evening. Good evening. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. Chris will be back tomorrow, but I'm joined now to to start the program by State Rep from Taunton, Carol Doherty. Hey, Carol, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, Always enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, thanks for thanks for thanks for coming back to the program. I appreciate it. So, I actually last saw you a week or so ago in Taunton. Uh, you're your home city of Totten, uh, for the uh, for Moore Healy and Kim Driscoll's uh, pre-inaugural uh, visit. Um, talk just a little bit about what it meant for to you that the governor and lieutenant governor decided to come to Totten as one of their first visits, and um, and uh, you know what 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 sort of happened that day. Well, I, I first have to start with the experience that I had when Moore Healy and Kim Driscoll. Uh, and others stepped into the House chambers in Boston to get themselves sworn in. Uh, it was such an exciting uh, event. The Senate uh, marched into the House chambers. Uh, the Senate president gave the oath of office to both the governor and the lieutenant governor. And it's such a just an historic event. You've heard that over and over again, I'm sure that we now in our constitutional offices have five women and uh, uh, Secretary of State Bill Galvin, who's been around long enough to navigate around the women who are there. <laughs> but it's, it's so exciting to to see this happen uh, in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. I didn't think it would, uh, I didn't think it would ever happen to such an extent. Uh, we always uh, thought about having a woman governor. I think women bring a different perspective to leadership, to governing, uh, to uh, the humanness um, of, uh, of the ability to lead and lead well and be empathetic and compassionate. So that said, the answer to your question is what, what, uh, how did I feel about the governor then? Uh, and uh, Lieutenant Governor coming to, at the time, elect uh, to the city of Taunton. So they were doing a pre-inaugural tour, as you pointed out, across the Commonwealth, and they stopped here uh, at the Taunton Boys Club for the Southeast Regional Boys Club, the consortium thing. I don't quite remember what it's called, but at any rate, uh, it was just a just a kick uh, to have uh, both uh, Governor Healy and Lieutenant Governor Driscoll come to Taunton to meet Tontonians, to meet the people that I know, that they now know. This is not the first time that the governor, um, ele- uh, the, the uh, when she was a candidate, she came here to do a tour up and down Main Street, visiting businesses, uh, and before that to a couple of fundraising events as well. So Taunton, she's not a stranger to Taunton, and we certainly hope that that's not going to happen going forward. I understand that she visited UMass Dartmouth um, yesterday or day before. Yeah, uh, it was uh, it was Tuesday. Yeah, I was there. Uh, it was a climate yeah, climate excellent. a climate ra- roundtable. Actually, their first uh, official visit in um, uh, as governor and lieutenant governor uh, outside of Beacon Hill and. 
you know, I, I, uh, it's two, it's two South Coast or uh, Southeastern Massachusetts re, uh, regional visits in two weeks. So that's pretty, um, that's pretty good so far. So pretty good. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's very exciting. Uh, so I'm looking forward to the future. You know, when we were standing there in that group at the Boys Club, there are a lot of uh, press people there, yourself included, of mm-hmm. course. And I heard one of the press persons ask her the question, now that the, there are all Democrats who are leading the state, <laughs> I both in the constitutional offices in the House and in the Senate, uh, where is the, where is your challenge going to come from? I, You know, I didn't hear her response, but I, 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 I'm, always... I'm the one that asked that. Oh, you're the one that asked that. So what <laughs> yeah. um, What did she say? And then I'll give you my perspective if you were asking me. Oh, yeah. So uh, she said, I don't think in those terms, Marcus. Um, I've, you know, in the last eight years, I've learned that uh, people, uh, you know, you find allies in the most unexpected places. And what I'm trying to do is work people towards, uh, you know, how we get to yes, uh, basically something like that, something about. Uh, broad consensus building and she doesn't identify enemies or opponents she just identifies people that she you know can work with to get to a point where they can get something done basically so reaching consensus and i think that the different personalities that we have in leadership uh, speaker mariano president of the senate spoke and the governor herself there is so we might agree on what the focus ought to be or what the theme ought to be, but the way that that gets done will be where the rubber hits the road. Um, how do we resolve the issues that uh, that are before us? How do we resolve the climate change issues? How do we get to addressing uh, and developing unanimity around housing with such a crisis uh, that is bubbling up uh, across the Commonwealth, if not across the country, around housing. That's a priority for her, um, uh, creating an office uh, with a director, if I might, an executive office for housing and an executive office for climate change. So there's going to be yet a a fourth party at the table uh, to help to draw some consensus around those very critical issues. So this is a very exciting time for the Commonwealth, I think. So you were sworn into um, you were sworn into your uh, state rep seat at Beacon Hill for another term. Um, yes. You had less difficulty than your congressional counterparts in doing so. Uh, and oh, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you, you said that you were seeking certain committee appointments, uh, you know, la- this this time that you may not have had the opportunity, you know, uh, committees that you may not have ha- had the opportunity to serve on uh, last time. Um, what could ha- has there been committee assignments yet? Do you know what committees you're serving on? I uh, know there has not yet. Uh, so we will be invited to submit our preferences. Uh, and priorities, uh, but um, you don't always get them. So last time around, given my education experience, my entire career has been focused on education in a variety of ways, including my work in the state house. I had asked for that assignment, and uh, some more seasoned legislators said to me, "Why don't you? Why don't you choose something else?" You know a lot about education, and so you might want to learn about something different. Okay. And as it turns out, I was assigned to uh, uh, children and families and uh, persons with disabilities, which is very interesting. Yeah. And, of course, it's in the same wheelhouse. We're dealing with children and families in, in schools and on the education committee as well as this committee. I was also uh, assigned to the election laws committee, and we 
adopted, as you know, very um, uh, additional kinds of things in our election laws bill that provides more opportunity for people to participate in the electoral process, including a mail-in ballots with not having to give a reason to want that mail-in ballot and uh, uh, cutting back the numbers of days before an election from 20 days. So it was 20 days that you had to register to vote. Now it's 10 days. You've given you the opportunity to register to vote. So that was a very exciting opportunity for me. I was also assigned to, so we all get four committees assigned to uh, something called state administration and bonding and capital expenditures. And interestingly enough, that committee, uh, we met to consider any kind of bonding legislation that was coming forward to support executive offices, for example. And myself, Repadad, Senator Pacheco, and a number of other legislators in southeastern Massachusetts were all on that committee. I found that to be pretty interesting. Pretty cool. And then, yeah, and then the fourth committee was uh, not a joint committee uh, that had to deal that dealed, uh deals with the the environment and climate change but we we didn't ever meet actually (laughs) oh geez um well now that there's a climate chief i'm sure they'll they'll probably be there might be there's another there's a joint committee on climate that met regularly obviously to develop the the roadmap 2050 during the past uh, legislative session so that wasn't the committee that i was assigned to this other committee was just committee <laughs> you know you, so, you, you know what's um, funny yeah, so I, I i just got out of a um i just got out of a commission on disability uh meeting i'm the chairperson in the town of fairhaven oh, so that issue's okay. yeah it's an issue that's pretty close to me so yeah. um are you looking to get appointed reappointed to any of those committees or um or are you you know trying to seek some new committees well i i am interested in continuing on with children and families which is a big deal because it meets uh, frequently and there are a lot of, there's lots of legislation that's filed that falls into that category. But I'm, I'm still, I still maintain my interest in uh, education. That's really where my strength is. It's the place where I am most articulate that I know most about because of my experience on the school board and my teaching experience, my work at Northeastern University. Um, I think I would be well placed there, but when I'm talking particularly to the new, we have 22 brand new representatives in the state house. When I ask them what they might be interested in, it's education and housing. And those are the things that I'm also interested in. So um, I'm bound to work very hard at uh, any committee assignment. And it's true. Your learning curve is very steep, but the new learning around the issues that came before the children and families, for example, things that I was not aware of. It was during the time, and you might remember uh, the David Almond case during the pandemic. That oh, yeah. yeah tripped, that it was well. terrible, tragic, yeah. tragic. Um, Harmony Montgomery, too, in, our, uh, in that period of time where I yes. served on that committee just recently uh, found. Uh, so those very painful uh, conversations that we have had to, had to have to try to prevent these things from happening going forward at least forestall any more tragedies uh, with our children so it's a very important uh, critical committee so I'd, I'd be happy to go back to that committee i'd be interested in uh, judiciary for example mm. um so i think that 
that the work that the, but I want to be able to do something that I, that I can grab a hold of that I'm passionate about. Um, I'm sure there are things that are, uh, that come before some committees that it's difficult to generate passion around. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I'm not a numbers person, the financial stuff, the bonding stuff, uh, yeah. ways and means. While I appreciate it. I, yeah, I'd, I'd deal more deal with people, issues that affect people directly. Um, I think are, is, is where my strength, uh, where my strength lies. So that's what I'm looking at. And then this is the time of year, uh, in the legislative session at the very beginning until January 20th, where legislators file bills. Yeah. Um, and it, people hear a lot about the talk about the thousands of bills that are filed. And literally this is true. Uh, those bills are filed. And, um, can you imagine so the clerk's office, along with his staff, are the ones that have to scrutinize every single piece of legislation that comes before us. So we get our make sure that we file them correctly. We get our docket numbers, and then they, those bills get shipped out to the various committees. Yeah, um, um, I consider them. When I had uh, Steve Howard on a few weeks ago, he said um, five thousand bills per per session. I think something like that. It's quite a it's quite a lot. Yeah, I think last last time it was about that five to six thousand bills a lot of them a lot of them don't see the light of day so <laughs> of to speak but yeah. every single piece of legislation uh we are required to hold a hearing for every single piece wow. of legislation everyone so that w- whether it's one person that comes forward to testify in support or against or many people uh it is our responsibility and our obligation to have everyone heard on every single bill so, um, are there any bills uh, at this juncture that you're looking to file um, uh, as the session starts, or are you just uh, are you waiting to you know um, you know are you just sort of crafting legislation now? Where are you at in the bill filing process? Well, uh, today we filed five bills. Uh, I have uh, so so there are bills that are refiled. So bills that I filed last time around that got some legs but didn't obviously pass. And then there are bills that fall into the category of bills that I'm filing for others. So the uh, Massachusetts Nurses Association uh, actually came forward and asked me if I would file a bill on their behalf. And so there are a couple of those. And then there are new bills, uh, new files that are uh, pieces of legislation that have never been filed before that we are writing. Uh, But the one that is a refile but really critical and important, and interestingly enough, it didn't get a lot of fetch in the legislature, but it certainly got a lot of uh, public attention and remains getting a lot of public attention. And it's a bill that provides um, an opportunity for students to uh, take uh, mental health days. And I needed to recraft the bill so that it was tighter and not frivolous. As, you know, you take a you know how it is when you're a grown-up, you say to your colleague, oh, I'm not coming in tomorrow, I'm going to take a mental health day. It's right. not that kind of thing. It is when uh, young people find themselves in serious difficulty uh, behaviorally or uh, having some emotional issues where they really, with the permission of their parents or their physician or whomever is in that environment that needs to provide that uh, that support for kids to allow them to take that time out um, without penalty and this has gotten a lot of attention so there were two bills that were filed last year went to the education committee and uh at the end of the day didn't 
didn't pass. They, they went to the study, which is the graveyard for bills. Well, of course. But yeah. there was a third bill that was filed by Senator John Velas that didn't go to the Education Committee. I think it went to uh, the um, Health Care Committee, the Committee on Health Issues. And it went, it was, went out with a favorable recommendation from the committee and I think on to Senate Ways and Means. So Senator Velas and I are filing, each of us in our respective houses are filing that bill. Uh, we're making the language tighter. You may remember that some time ago during the last legislative session, there was um, uh, an, a fiat issued around health care that uh, there should be as much attention paid to paying for mental health services as there is to physical health services. And so we have crafted this mental health bill to say just that, that the same requirements uh, of students who are going out with the flu or a cold or COVID, for example, are also uh, asked of those students and their families if they are going out on a mental health day. Um, just recently, uh, there somebody took the bill that I filed last time, posted it on Instagram, and there were countless responses to that bill uh, in positive ways. And um, if you have a minute, I'll tell you the origin of that bill was a group of high school students who were doing a civics project from Oliver Ames High School, which is part of my district. And these students asked me to come and talk with them about the process of filing a bill. I think that they had never fully expected that, that, that their idea of mental health days, if you will, would ever gain uh, enough steam yeah. to become an actual piece of legislation. I've been interviewed by Channel 4 three times in the past two years uh, about that particular bill. On one occasion, Paula Eben came to Taunton High School to interview students and myself and the school principal about, about the importance of this kind of legislation. So I'm very excited about the possibility as the conversation uh, focuses on post-pandemic response of students uh, back in school and how much difficulty those students, some of those students, are having adjusting back into the school uh, school environment. So I'm very excited about this possibility. Actually, we're we filed the bill this afternoon, and we're sending out a press release uh, to let uh, the world know that we're filing uh, filing this bill. So I'm very excited about that, and that really fits very nicely into my interest in schools and also my interest in children and families as well. Yeah, that's really, um, I think that's, that's really important. I think that's really important legislation. You said it got sent to, it got sent to, stu- uh, to, to study, which uh, as you know, as a lot of listeners may know is, is basically the, where bills go to die. So is there, that's right. Is, <laughs> is there a new, um, is there a renewed uh, interest? Do you do you anticipate it's going to go differently this time because you're partnering with Senator Vales, or um, have you spoken with any other members of the the legislature on this? Well, uh, we, of course, we're just beginning uh, beginning that process of uh, getting co-sponsors, and there were several. Can't remember the number, but there were lots of twenty, thirty, forty co-sponsors of the bill previously. So there was support of the legislature, but of course, if it never gets that far, where the legislators have an opportunity to vote on the bill, then 
co-sponsors means it means Carol Doherty, we like the way you're thinking, and I co-sponsor lots of lots of different kinds of bills as well. So there's a lot of effort that goes into attracting um, other legislators in the event that we might get a get a bill going forward for um, for a vote, but. Some time ago, there was a hearing, not, not too long ago, um, maybe six or eight weeks ago, there was a hearing that was held by the Joint Committee on Education um, with all of the important people in education invited, like the Commissioner, the Secretary of Education, uh, and others, including advocates and just ordinary people, come to testify about what they believe to be the impact of the pandemic on student learning. And to the person... And you can go back and look at that, uh, look at the um, the video footage of that hearing to the person they spoke about the social and emotional um, well-being of students and how much the pandemic had impacted their mental and behavioral health. And so I think, uh, and so does Senator Vilas, that the time is right to capture the attention um, of the legislature as a whole and move this bill forward to a positive conclusion. Has there been any, any criticisms of the legislation, any public criticisms criticisms of it? Of the bill? Yeah. Uh, not, no, there hasn't. I've had people privately say, huh, so kids, they're going to they're gonna take advantage of that. They're going to call in and they're going to say, I'm, I'm, I need a mental health day, but I think that people... Uh, we're thinking about it in the context that I mentioned earlier when yeah. you or I might say, oh, God, I need a mental health day. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking about very serious issues, emotional and behavioral yeah. uh, health issues, mental health issues uh, among students. And so both Senator Villas and I got together and wor- reworked the language so that it's tighter uh, and more specific about the circumstances under which students would be allowed to take these days. What we don't want to have happen is that students are given detentions or students are uh, ha- have these uh, absences counted against them. Right. Uh, and we want to bring uh, to the attention of the adults in the environment, whether they're families or community or school, the serious uh, nature of the issues of these young people that are having these difficulties. And and if we do nothing else but to raise the level of awareness um, and supports for kids both in and outside of school who are having these difficulties. So I'm, I'm really high on that. I have 13 pieces of legislation I'm, I'm filing. Um, there's another one, if you have a moment. Sure. <clears throat> That has to do, and again, it fits into the bailiwick of children, families, and persons with disabilities. It's called the livable, um, livable home modifications. And what it means is this bill uh, creates a pilot program to provide grant money up to $5,000 for, uh, for seniors uh, or, and or the disabled who don't want to go to a care home but want to stay in their own home and they need some modest accommodations to their home in order for them to stay there. Um, There's a lot of research that says that elders and disabled people do much better if they can remain at home, uh, um, getting well or at least remain at home and among their family members, but particularly for the elderly. Uh, And so this, and this bill is patterned after a bill out of Rhode Island 
I think that Rhode Island bill now is three or four years old and has been very successful in providing the supports for people who just don't want to go into a nursing home and could stay at home with some very modest accommodations made in their homes for them to stay, you know, widening doors for wheelchairs and bars in the shower and, you know, that kind of thing that makes it easier for them to navigate their own homes. So I'm very excited about the possibility of that. It it did not gain any traction. Again, it was one of those bills that got sent to study, but I feel very keenly that the body of research and the conversation that's going on about nursing homes uh, in just the conversation that's going on, not necessarily negative conversation, but uh, my mother would always say, don't send me to a nursing home. Right. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think that's really important. I, I, it's, it's something. I, I have, a, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. I no, have a call coming in from Maury Healy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let me call you back. Tell her I said hi. All right. All right. Thank Bye. you. Um, so I got to take a break. We'll be right back. Listen to us live. And back. Um, Marcus Farrow. That was State Rep Carol Doherty from Taunton. Uh, she represents Taunton and Easton in the. Um, in the state house, uh, she just got reelected pretty, pretty handedly too. Uh, I think she's fantastic actually. And, uh, that was a, that was a cool flex. You know, I gotta go. The governor's calling me. I, I, I like it. I like it. 508-996-0500. Good evening. You're live. Hi, Marcus. How you doing? Hey, Tom, what's up? Well, tonight the, the council is going to be, uh, reviewing the exorbitant pay raises, uh, the three uh, individuals that has got everybody up in arms, and it's my understanding that they can change that. What I'm worried about is some type of uh, political invective slant by the chair saying that, well, if we do this, we're going to have to send the whole thing back and then get the legal counsel to co-sign that invective slant, which would be untrue. Uh, there has been no appropriation uh, for the funding uh, that is going to be needed. That's for one. It doesn't change substantially the intent of the petition to begin with. Uh, I mean, they uh, they have done their work uh, regarding raising uh, a lot of the rank and file uh, folks' uh, pay raises, and that's a good thing. And most of the directors, and that's a good thing, except for these three. So there's no question in my mind that the council has the ability to reduce it just to say, for example, uh, five thousand each instead of forty thousand, fifty thousand. Yeah, they're, they're they're you know what I think they're going to do. Um, fairly confident of this, I'll put, leave it at that. Is that they're going to sever those three, reduce them, and then pass the whole package? Yeah, that that should happen. That's, that's exactly I, I what they're going to do. Don't want the chair to turn around and try to force the issue and say, okay. Uh, we could do this, but we're going to have to start over again. It's going to take a few more weeks. That that should not happen. I don't think that's that, going to. I I I know. I I just I've heard. I think if that does happen, that's a bigger story. Um, yep. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to resolve this tonight in a way that's amicable for for both the residents and the city councilors who probably want to keep their job. <laughs> so, Tom, Tom, I got it. Okay, yeah. Tom, can you call back? Sure. All right, thank you. Rep Doherty? Ah, yes, I'm so sorry for (laughs) for that interruption. What a delightful surprise to have a call from the governor. I'm I'm speechless. (laughs) 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 It it reminds me, my birthday is coming up soon, so a year ago the phone rang, 
Um, and the per- hello, I said, and the person on the other end said, "Happy birthday! This is Elizabeth Warren." Oh, funny. <laughs> and I said, "Oh, come on, you're kidding. This isn't really who, who is this?" Really? <laughs> I didn't say that in this case because, of course, I have um, the governor's. Uh, well, she came. She came down and campaigned. Either. She came down and campaigned for you in uh, in Taunton. She I was. I, yeah. That's where. I, that's where I'd, uh, I'd, I had met you. So that's right. That's where I first met you. Absolutely. You was how interesting, <laughs> isn't it? You established a, a, a great rapport with the uh, with the new governor. It seems. I guess I did. It's probably. Uh, it, it could be that, that this is what she wants to do for all of us. Um, I'm sure. Is she? It's a lot of phone calls. Aren't... Uh, yeah, well, not not all tonight, I'm sure. <laughs> so I'm I'm delighted, and one of the things that that I feel keenly about is very often uh, Southeast of May. A, a lot of the conversation goes on focusing on Boston as well it should, because Boston is the big hub of the Commonwealth. But sometimes uh, Southeastern Massachusetts gets lost in the hubbub, if you will, mm-hmm. and so does Western Mass. And one of the things that I want to do when I have the opportunity is to continue to promote including the South, southeastern Massachusetts in, in appropriate ways um, and always mentioning that here we are, we exist, and we want as much attention uh, out of the administration as any other place in the Commonwealth. So, well, so, so we had, um, so one of our day, uh, <laughs> one of our day programs had, um, had uh, uh, Mayor O'Connell from Taunton on to talk about uh, South Coast Rail a bit and some of the needs of Taunton. Um, what are what do you identify as some of the needs of Taunton and what's you know we're supposed to get South Coast Rail in November. What do you anticipate that brings uh, to to uh, to the city of Taunton? Well, I think that one of the one of the critical things uh, with South Coast Rail is the zoning change that was enacted by the legislature that encourages. Um, construction of housing very near the rail and so our uh, planning uh, and zoning people are busily uh, looking at what the possibilities are what kind of land opportunities are there we have a great need here in my opinion for affordable housing like many other places Um, and as i said earlier the housing is a growing obviously a growing crisis across the commonwealth if not across the country and i think that we um, as a community needs needs to recognize that um, our uh, city council spent a great deal of time reframing our charter uh, so that uh, has finally passed the legislative benchmark had gone to the governor just before the holidays and the governor has signed the charter the charter will then be placed into the hands of uh, the people for a vote um, as, at the will of the city council. And why that's so important is that we haven't reframed our our government, the way people, uh, people are elected, uh, the roles and responsibilities of, <coughs> excuse me, various offices in, uh, in Taunton. And um, I'm not, my opinion about the charter specifically isn't important. My responsibility is to make sure that it got off the table and into the hands of the people. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the home rule petition process where a municipality yep, yep, yep. passes uh, le- legislation. Um, so so Carol, we're, we're actually running uh, we're running out of time. Uh, I but is, before I let you go, is there anything you want to leave the audience with? Well, as soon as I get, I'm I'm really a mess with you tonight. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's good. It adds more to the program. One of the things. 
understanding one of many things that is important to me as a legislator is to uh, be in the community, uh, to not keep the legislative process a secret, if you will, but when opportunities present themselves to talk with the public, whether I do it on the radio or I do it on Facebook or I do a live program to talk with people about what's going on in the legislature, not just promoting my own interest, but listening to what people have to say about their wants and needs, talking about what's going on in that regard and making every effort that I uh, can make uh, as a single individual in the legislature to help to support my community. Carol Doherty, Rep. Carol Doherty from Taunton, I appreciate you calling in, and I look forward to talking with you more uh, as this session uh, progresses. Absolutely. Happy New Year. You Thank too. you so much. Thanks. Yeah. That was Rep. Carol Doherty from Taunton. What an incredibly nice person. Uh, really enjoyed talking to her. Had her on when she was uh, a candidate running for re-election. She won pretty handedly uh, her re-election bid. And uh, looking forward to the great work she's going to do in the state house, especially with respect to disabilities. You know, you guys know my background with that. Uh, obviously, I have a brother living autism. I actually literally just came from chairing the Commission on Disability uh, in Fairhaven, where we talked for, to somebody from the Massachusetts Office of Disability in the... Um, in the uh, at the state level, so uh, really important stuff, and uh, looking forward to talking with Rep. Doherty more as that continues. Uh, we had Tom Kennedy called in, talked about the more ed pay raise amendments, uh, the the amendments to raise uh, the salaries of three individuals fifty thousand dollars, which a lot of people we've heard over the over time. And by the way, Tom, if you want to call back, I you know feel free. We're going to have we have Adam Bass in studio. Uh, I mean, in studio, in council. He's in council chambers. We've uh, unleashed the bass. Um, actually, when I was on my way in, uh, our digital manning, managing editor, Phil Devitt, you know, you hear him on the news segments. I said, we're unleashing the bass. He says, the bass attack. And I like the bass attack. I think I'm going to, I'm going to roll with that. That's going to be, that's going to be the branding <clears throat> for that going forward. So the bass attack is, the bass is on the attack in the city council. He's going to get, um, he's going to be giving us live updates from the council. And uh, on his Twitter, you can follow him, Adam Bassamass, on Twitter. You can you can give him uh, you can give him um, you you know give him a follow, a look at his Twitter, Adam Bassamass, to get those live updates. But he's going to be texting us. I've also been talking to some city councilors. Going to hear from them as well. Uh, they, you know, I'm going to get some updates from them as well during the meeting. So we'll figure out where, exactly where those more ed pay raise amendments are going. I have a feeling. They're going to, I think they've listened to people here on WBSM. I think they've listened to their constituents and they're going to correct the mistakes that they have made, which, I mean, that's what you, I think what people expect from an elected official. So if they're going to do that, good on them. All right, listen, we're going to take a break, but stay tuned. We're going to have live updates from the city council. We're going to continue that conversation. And, uh, this is the Marcus, this is the, the, this is South Coast tonight. Marcus Farrow show is over. This is South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. Chris will be back tomorrow. 1420 WBSM can now be heard on 99.5 FM. Winter has set. Voices in the night that cover the news of the day. I heard the voices too. Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. More of South Coast Tonight happens now on WBSM. Good evening. Welcome back. Of course, we got Adam Bass live in council chambers. He's going to be giving updates on that meeting uh, regarding the pay raise amendments. So uh, let's go back to the phones. Good evening. Yeah, Marcus, uh, one other issue that, that I found very interesting was the exchange between Carlos Felix last night and Mr. Ventura. That was last <laughs> night, right? <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, 
But the district, I started thinking about it, and is Carlos simply a France uh, journalist? Is he registered? Is or is he just a guy walking around with a camera? I would um I would classify Carlos as a freelance journalist. Um, I know he does some stuff with uh, New Bedford Guide. Um, you know, yeah. he's a citizen journalist. Uh, I think that's what I. Yeah, he's not registered. I don't think he's registered with a you know, a, a licensed media organization like WBSM. But, you know, he does go out there. He gets footage. He's at all the community meetings. Um, so I do give him credit for that. Uh, some yeah. of his techniques, um, you know, some would uh, disagree with. Uh, clearly, Mr. Ventura does. Um, and I thought that was a pretty – it was a, it was an entertaining exchange uh, at sure the very was. least. Yeah, yeah, that was very good of you guys. But uh, regarding Carlos, I'm wondering, you know, does he have to be careful if – you know that the the council president says uh, only registered uh, media are allowed in the chamber. Uh, there will be no cameras. Would that affect him? Would he feel that his rights are being violated? I mean, does, does he do all this out of his own? I, I, I believe. I believe, per the open meeting laws in Massachusetts, that citizens one are are welcome to attend an open meeting, and two that they're allowed to record. I do believe there is a you have to tell them beforehand. So I guess that's a way to I guess if she wanted to, if he didn't tell, inform somebody beforehand, like the clerk or um, like Dennis Farias or um, or or Linda or someone, you know, someone who's running the meeting. They didn't tell them that would could, could be an issue. But I believe you have to let them record the meeting. I think it's a violation of the open meeting law if you don't but i do think the hang-up is they have to tell you beforehand they have to let you know beforehand yeah yeah because with him i started thinking about it over the years that he's been out there he was a strong supporter of ian and uh uh that continues yeah and and yeah i mean just just for the comments that on the cow uh for mental issue he went after naomi but didn't say anything about ian and ian you know excuse for not voting for her was kind of weak in my opinion but uh, you know, Carlos kind of like just fluffed that away. Didn't didn't do anything about that. So yeah. that 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 type of invective slant, uh, you know, you got to pay attention to who these folks are and, and who they're representing, so to speak. You know. Yeah, I mean, everybody's. You know, we're an opinion show too. We've got our own opinions on stuff as well. Um, you know, so yeah, but you got both sides. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, well. You know, here's my thing with this is that they did. I think it's very clear uh, that they made a mistake. I think most of them are, are recognizing that they that they made a mistake and, and working to correct it. Uh, I think I mean, that's that's what I anticipate. I don't know what's going to happen um, today. That's why we have Adam Bass in Chambers. Yeah, that's, to, that's, I can't to, wait to hear that one. Yeah, I'm I'm excited too. So we'll be getting live updates on on the uh, on the Morad Payres amendments, and and I, I think they're going to be, like I said, I think they're going to be amended in the um, in the council chambers. I don't believe they're going to. I mean, it would it it would be quite a thing if they if someone if anybody in the council had uh, tried to refer that back to committee and you know delay that process even further. Based right. on the, based on that, um, I don't. You know, like you said, you, you're obviously well familiar being a former counselor with the procedures there. They don't have to do it. I don't think they will do it. Yeah. Good. Well, we'll be listening. Good show. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate it. Thank you. 
so yeah, we're tracking that. the The bass attack is uh, is at um, is in live in city council now. So we'll be getting those updates. I'll be getting those updates. I'll be following on Twitter, and he'll be. I'll be getting uh, some texts. Uh, you know, updating on what's happening in those in that meeting. So we can talk more about that. I've got an article on WBSM.com you can check out. I talked to Mike Watson, the superintendent of Grady New Bedford Vogue today. Had a good uh, brief uh, but very uh, comprehensive conversation about the, um, you know, Vogue, the, his position on the admissions policy. That's included in my article. You can check it out. It's a bit, it's, it's not too lengthy. It's probably a little bit lengthier than than ones I've written before, but you know, to get the complete story out there, sometimes you you need to need to really, you know, say everything you got to say. So, um that's uh so you can check that out on wbsm.com. We can of course talk more about that because that's still going to be a big story. Uh Mayor Mitchell is, you know, it's one of his I think leading causes in terms of the education realm for sure. I think his, you know, one of his signature achievements is getting those uh regulations changed at DESE, leading the effort to do that and I know he's still going to be on that as well. So, hey, I'm going to take a break now. Uh we'll be right back. This is South Coast Night on Marcus. If you want to hear everything an update from Adam Bass on the uh pay raise amendments. Morad is amending the Morad pay raise amendments. Now it's no more than twenty five percent was the um, was the uh, was the amendment to uh, the was the, an amendment to her original amendment. She proposed it. She put it forward. So it looks like the council is moving to correct that um, correct that issue that you know uh, a lot of people have spoken out against and they're upset about uh so looks like those $50,000 pay bumps will be reduced in some way um you know it's it's kind of tough for the people that got those raises but it's really more than those positions should have earned in the first place frankly it shouldn't have Pass. A lot of people feel it shouldn't have passed. It, it is tough, but that's you know the city council is is looking look looks like they're moving towards correcting that uh, mistake. So we're going to be talking more about that. We got more. We got a, a press release from a board three councilor that I just got, um, and so we're going to be talking uh, in the eight o'clock hour. Stay tuned. It's, it's-